0: Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome to our latest lecture. And this will be an interesting topic. It's a very focused topic, but it's a series of cases that all of us do see, and I wanted to help you out to evaluate these patients. And this was also part of an RSNA exhibit from this past year, 2009, and something we're submitting for publication, so hopefully I won't overlap too much with publication which will be out in probably 12 to 15 months. I want to talk about interpretive pitfalls, protocols, and optimization. <coughs> Now we all know we use CT for looking at gastric tumors, most commonly it's adenocarcinoma. We look at other tumors that are malignant lymphomas, we, we've spoken about GIST tumors. We also see certain benign tumors, polyps, lipomas, and also other tumors like carcinoids and other rare pathologies. Now when you look and the focus of this presentation is looking at those lesions which are hyper enhancing. Most lesions are not hyperenhancing when you look at the stomach. In fact, since most are adenocarcinoma, they tend to be relatively hypovascular. Now, hypervascular masses, as I'll show you, can be benign or malignant. They can arise from the normal mucosa, or they can arise from cells within the submucosa, like carcinoid or glomus tumors, or the muscularis, so the um, gist tumors. So in a sense, they can arise from any of the layers. And of course the clinical setting, the morphology and anatomic location are key elements that really help us in the differential diagnosis. Now step back, what about technique? Things we've said before, ideally we use water as a contrast agent, 1000 cc's, well tolerated. Some people have used glucagon to decrease peristalsis, we don't, we don't find it necessary. And in most cases IV contrast is necessary particularly for small lesions. And of course, unless you give IV contrast, you cannot detect enhancement. So if you want to look at enhancement, you need to have IV contrast. And when we do IV contrast, we're typically injecting 4 to 5 cc's a second. Depending on the application, we do single or dual phase imaging. When we're doing dedicated gastric studies, more and more, we're doing dual phase imaging, arterial and venous phase. We use thin collimation, typically 0.75 millimeter thick sections. Uh, every 0.5 millimeters, we do 3D reconstructions, as well as axial imaging, as well as multiplanar. So it's this comprehensive evaluation of the stomach that we speak about. Now, in the stomach, we recognize there are pitfalls. Areas commonly spoken about have been the gastric fundus, been the antrum. And the key, of course, is good distension. Whether you use water or air, and we're typically talking about water, distension becomes critical. So some similar examples or some easy examples, um, coronal and axial, nice stomach, right? Stomach is typically under five millimeters in wall thickness. You can't see very minimal wall enhancement, but that's how it looks. Or uh, another case with a axial volume rendered image and a sagittal image. Again, the same principles, thin wall. Um, we used to speak about in the past stomach was seven to 10 millimeters in thickness. Reality is that uh, if it's well distended, it's 3 to 5 millimeters. So just something to keep in mind. And that's the typical appearance of the stomach. When we talk about neoplasms, let's go through some of the possibilities. Polyps are not uncommon. It's particularly an incidental finding in endoscopy, about 2% of patients. The most common is a hyperplastic polyp, which is about 70% of cases, also known as an inflammatory polyp. And it's not really a true neoplasm, more commonly arises in the setting of gastritis. The patients are typically asymptomatic, though others can be symptomatic, nausea and vomiting, heartburn, GI bleeding, and these lesions can regress or increase in size over time depending on the patient's condition. And these again are picked up typically incidentally when patients get endoscopy most commonly. Now there are hyperplastic polyps. These are more common solitary and not multiple. They're under a centimeter in size. When they get larger, that is over two centimeters, they can have a malignant potential and as many as three percent of polyps removed, harbor dysplasia or even carcinoma. The risk of malignancy correlates with increasing patient age and it's more common in the distal uh, portions of the stomach. In patients who have hyperplastic polyps, there's an increased risk of developing cancer at another location within the stomach. So. Again, it is indeed a risk factor. Now, fundic gland polyps or common benign polyps are typically epithelial cystic dilated glands. They typically are sporadic but can occur in association with familial adenomous polyposis, one of the polyposis syndromes. They're increasing in prevalence perhaps due to proton pump inhibitor therapy these days. And fundic gland polyps also develop in the setting of unopposed gastric secretion. And in that scenario, and we'll show you some examples, they're often multiple. They can regress. However, of course, patients with familial adenomatous polyposis have an increased risk of these lesions becoming neoplastic. So adenomatous polyps, okay, is more common in countries where gastric cancer is endemic, and that's in the Far East and Asia associated with atrophic gastritis and intestinal metaplasia as well as familial polyposis more commonly found in the antrum than the body or fundus often in the three to four centimeter range so it's large and they're larger than hyperplastic or gland polyps which we said are in the one centimeter or less range so adenomatous polyps are larger now when we speak about um, neoplasms in the stomach of course Unusual pathologies can present as a polypoid mass, so inflammatory fibroid polyp, hamartomas, more associated with uh, some of the syndromes like Cowden's disease or Candidocronkite, Putz Jaeger, or juvenile polyposis. So we've kinda looked at all of these polypoid lesions and you can see there's a spectrum from benign to malignant. So let's look at some examples. Here's a patient The patient has an antral lesion. It's about three centimeters in size. It's arising from the mucosa of the posterior wall of the antrum. It's shown in this example axially and coronally, and you can see the enhancement. And this was a hyperplastic polyp at a biopsy. The patient, uh, another patient, again, same history, antral polyp, nice mass. You see it's enhancing again, this was a hyperplastic polyp, is the 3D of the prior case. And you can see very nicely, the 3D really allows you to accentuate, particularly in the volume rendering, that it indeed is uh, hypervascular. Another example, this patient is an incidental finding. The patient was being evaluated for liver pathology, dual-phase imaging. You see the vascular polypoid mass a bit over two centimeters in the antrum. You could have considered a gist tumor a carcinoma or a glomus tumor. And less likely carcinoma in light of its enhancement. And in fact, I tend not to consider adenocarcinoma typically with polypoid lesions that are enhancing. Uh, At pathology, this was a hyperplastic inflammatory polyp. Again, bottom line from an imaging perspective, it needs to be biopsied and needs to be removed. And here's that same thing in 3D. Really nice example of this hyperplastic polyp projected off the mucosa. Again, could it be carcinoma malignancy? Sure. And remember, we talked about these hyperplastic inflammatory polyps potentially becoming malignant. So this will indeed be removed. Another example, you can see very nicely in this case an enhancing lesion, pedunculated. It's in the antrum of the stomach. When you look at the lesion, you can again, the same differential comes up. Uh, But this was also an inflammatory polyp, and here's two more images showing the same thing in terms of 3D. So again, polypoid lesions, we see better when we distend the stomach. We see better when we give IV contrast, and it's something, again, critical in differential diagnosis. Another patient, this patient had a history of multiple endocrine neoplasias, type 1, elevated gastrin levels from a gastrinoma, and you can see the thickened gastric folds, multiple polypoid projections, particularly well seen, you'll see in the next series of images, within the antrum and endoscopy. The patient had multiple, more than 20, pedunculated polyps and multiple sessile duodenal polyps. Um, gland polyps uh, are seen with Zollinger-Ellison type syndromes. And uh, in this case, the polyps, when the duodenum were multiple foci, of gastrinoma and you can see very nicely the polypoid lesions in the stomach as well fundic gland polyps and uh, oxyntic gland dilatation reflective of hypogastronemia, as typically seen in patients with Zollinger-Ellison account for the findings in this patient's stomach so again you got to be thinking about that possibility what else a tumor we commonly think about small bowel when it's vascular we think of carcinoid Well, in the stomach, it's an unusual location, but it does occur. Three types or three variants, type 1 and 2 have an indolent course, grow slowly or don't grow at all or can, in fact, regress. Type 3 can have a more aggressive course. Type 1 is associated with atrophic gastritis and represents the majority of cases. Small, hyper-enhancing masses, usually less than a centimeter. Um, Hasakawa followed patients with this type of carcinoid, up to almost 11 years, reporting no change in polyp size or progression of disease beyond the stomach. Carcinoid 2's are the ones that uh, arise in the setting of zollinger ellison patients typically with MEN one typically multiple masses of varying size. Uh, these lesions can ulcerate and these lesions are aggressive and can metastasize. Um, carcinoid tumors can arise sporadically in the stomach as they do in any part of the GI tract in those cases they tend to be solitary Uh, they can vary between under a centimeter and up to five centimeters and so or so ulcerations may be seen they have malignant potential particularly when they get larger surely over three centimeters and here's a good case nice example 59-year-old female, MEN type 1, elevated gastrin, elevated serotonin levels. You can see this soft tissue thickening, this mass effect, particularly in the gastric fundus. Uh, Endoscopy found extensive linear and nodular neuroendocrine hyperplasia, parietal cell hyperplasia in the body of the stomach, and well-differentiated gastric carcinoid tumor in the stomach as well. Tiny carcinoid tumors are expected to follow an indolent course in this setting. And there's just one more set of images that show you, again, the findings very nicely. So carcinoid's not a surprise. Any type of carcinoid is going to be vascular, whether it's in small bowel or stomach. What about gastric adenocarcinoma? Well, typically, the lesion is relatively hypovascular, though lesions do enhance, particularly with good bolus of contrast material. Uh, Many articles have spoken about a multi-layer, this infiltrating nature with gastric adenocarcinoma, and we know the range of appearances from hyperattenuating polypoid lesions to hyper enhancement of thickened mucosa, a mucosal defect, from mucosal masses due to gastrocarcinoma, which then enhance later, uh, with margins deep to tumor. Uh, enhancing early or late. And again, there's a wide range of appearances. Typically, mucinous tumors are not going to be vascular at all. The visualization of these tumors, MPR virtual gastroscopy, many articles have showed significantly higher, by up to 30% in terms of detection, as well as looking at uh, mural invasion and and truly staging uh, these patients. And again, there hasn't been a lot written, and it's something probably that You'll see more uh, come out of in the future, particularly with fast scanning, perfusion imaging. Can we use this information perhaps to be able to uh, determine aggressiveness of tumors? Um, in terms of technique, I mentioned that we like to use uh, 100 cc's of contrast, 4 to 5 cc's per second. Other articles have done uh, lower volume. So again, there's different techniques. We use a concentration of 350. Here was an article with a concentration of 300. So again, we'll have to see where things go. Let's look at some examples. Here's a nice example. Typical polypoid mass. It's enhancing a bit. That's very good for an adenocarcinoma. No problem there. And here, the same thing is seen in 3D imaging. Very nice on the left volume rendering. Polypoid hypervascular lesion. Now, I mentioned about enhancement because you can see in this case... The stomach is diffusely enhancing, and often what you'll see is the area where the tumor is may be of low attenuation, the differential enhancement in this case. You can see very nicely the diffuse wall thickening and hyperenhancement of the mucosa, compatible with tumor infiltration, and some of the lower density within the wall. So again, very good example of that. Or this case, abdominal pain, look at the wall thickening here. This was diffusely uh, infiltrating adenocarcinoma. Ran the entire length of the greater curvature. Very, very extensive tumor. Again, there's some enhancement. There are nodes here. So again, uh, when you talk about enhancement, adenocarcinomas will commonly enhance, but you don't quite think of them as hypervascular lesions. And here's two more images of that. So you can see in this case, different portions of the tumor enhance differently. But again, you should think about it. Of course, we recognize when you see this, it's infiltrating it got to be malignancy this patient needs biopsy and then eventually will end up getting surgery or in this example look at the tumor infiltration um, very nicely shown in the antrum and distal body of the stomach again some of the comments about coronal displays some of the ability to visualize the infiltration of a tumor Uh, axials particularly when you do a direct cut through the antrum along the lumen work very nicely again um this is the most common tumor we're going to see infiltrating it's not really a polypoid lesion like the other ones very good example of infiltration not a great problem not anything that's gonna be too much of a challenge now when you have very large masses like this i read this case and my first call was a gist tumor polypoid mass centrally pushing in the stomach most are exophytic but some go intraluminal This was, to my surprise, ended up being an adenocarcinoma. There's some enhancement, there's ulceration. But again, I got to be thinking just tumor. But again, there's overlap. You're going to get biopsy. uh, Not a big problem. Or this example as well. Great case of a patient with abdominal pain in the ER setting. In fact, they thought it was chest pain. But look at that large, bulky tumor involving the the fundus of the stomach. Again, you can think lymphoma. It doesn't look like a gist tumor, but it looks like a bulky tumor. Lymphoma is a really good thought, but this ended up being adenocarcinoma as well. Just a very nice example of that. And you can see from this next set of images that the patient also has nodes in the region of the celiac axis. What else? Gist tumors. uh, Stomach is the most common location. I've shown you a lot of these in the past. Gist tumors are large. They're typically exophytic commonly ulcerate when they spread they can give cystic liver mets they can give cystic nodes they give omental implants again these tumors can be very large anywhere from a centimeter to 20 or 30 centimeters Um, lots of different appearances commonly ulceration is indeed very common we've seen a lot more gist tumors lately that are small for example this case it's a mass off the fundus it's low density that was a gist tumor So, again, gists will indeed vary. Most of the ones I would show you are 10 centimeters in size. Now, in terms of vascular lesions, other things to consider, glomus tumors. Glomus is a classic vascular mass in the stomach. It's the most common GI location. Many patients are asymptomatic, though others present with GI bleeding. The antrum is noted as the most common area. Very, very brisk enhancement, early, homogeneous enhancement, which does stay around for a bit. Just a wonderful example right here. Just a wonderful, look how vascular that lesion is. No problem. What else? Metastasis, METs to the stomach, melanoma, breast are the two most common things I think about. Remember breast, you get linitis plastica. Melanoma can give you polypoid lesions. We've seen a few cases of vascular METs from renal cell carcinoma, but again, renal cell to stomach in general is indeed very rare. And when it does occur, it's like pancreatic uh, mets from renal cell. It occurs many years later. Uh, it's something to consider, but it's a very, very rare finding. So metastasis, the stomach, melanoma, breast cancer, but most of the time are not going to be vascular when they are vascular. Think renal cell carcinoma, occasionally melanoma is in the ballpark. So I look at some examples. Here's a nice case. Renal cell carcinoma. Take a look at the stomach. There's a pedunculated 1.5 centimeter lesion in the uh, distal body. And you can see just very nice uh, on the imaging. Again, interesting case, great case, great conference case, but not going to be that common. Now, those are some of the things to think about. But are there pitfalls? Well, of course, gastritis can cause prominent folds, could simulate an infiltrating process. We all know of that problem. Focal ulcerations without tumor can cause problems. If you don't stum- descend the stomach well, you can potentially have uh, a pseudo mass. right? Here's a good example of a patient with a uh, MEN1 syndrome. And look at the folds in the, uh, in the region of the fundus of the stomach. Again, something to consider when you see very prominent folds to look for the presence of a tumor. Uh, this patient did have a distal pancreatectomy and confirmed a neuroendocrine tumor. Another pitfall, patient with weight loss, the folds in the stomach are markedly thickened. We had a wide differential from lymphoma to bad gastritis to carcinoma. What about ZE syndrome? And this ended up being inflammatory H. pylori infection, possibly some superimposed necrosis due to NSAID use. So again, very bad gastritis can enhance. So that's something to consider. And I don't think you can get around it. Another example here H. pylori. Bottom line, you send the patients for endoscopy and you'll make the diagnosis because you don't want to be a hero. And remember, in the face of H. pylori, patients more commonly do have neoplasm. So there's no magic there. What else can be an issue? Varices. But I think we all recognize varices. Pitfalls are that if you only had arterial phase imaging, you might make the mistake of calling it a fundic tumor. But when you get venous phase imaging, it's not going to be a problem. We can see varices most commonly, of course, patients also have liver and splenic changes, cirrhotic liver, big spleen, uh, many causes. Uh, Tumors, for example, pancreatic tumors occlude the splenic vein. You can get large collaterals. The gastropoploic vein outside the greater curvature becomes particularly enlarged when the splenic vein is occluded. here's just a nice set of examples non-contrast versus contrast, obvious varices on your right, maybe on the left, if you were less experienced, you might have an issue. Here it is coronal and sagittal. So again, not going to be too much of a problem. What else can fool you in the stomach, vascular? I've had three cases of this process, and these are all cases where the patient has what looks like a gist tumor and enhances, but only in retrospect do you realize these are actually lesions off the liver, but they're just hanging off the liver, and they represent um, hemangiomas of the liver. It's just an incredible pitfall. Patients, in fact, can be symptomatic because it's pushing on the stomach, but again, something to consider. So let's conclude then. Uh, We looked at a very specific portion of gastric pathology, enhancing lesions, and I have showed you some of the benign processes, some malignant processes that can do this. I've gone through some of the pitfalls. Obviously, if you don't give a good bolus of contrast, if you're not scanning early, it'll be rare to see vascular gastric lesions, which is why typically in the past we didn't speak about them. But it's important, they can be part of a syndrome, they can be a benign process with malignant potential, or can be a malignancy. And hopefully in this talk, we've covered and I've illustrated a bunch of these findings. And with that, have a great day.